head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 275 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Big Sexy, a.k.a. The Pod God. Not so much the judging God after last night. I've actually we get into it, but I feel like I got my score wrong last night after rewatching it. But sure, these things happen in MMA, as as a great man once said. That great man being uh, me and Graham McDonald and someone else like a few years ago. Joined today as I text Graham yesterday. I goes here. Can you do the podcast at two p.m. tomorrow? I got a text at like four a.m. saying, "Sorry, I'm away from the weekend. I can't do it." And I'm like. Are you? Did you turn into fucking Andrew McGann overnight? No, what happened, to Graham? But anyway, I have uh, actually probably a better replacement here for him, Andy Stevenson today to talk about the big fights from the weekend and whatever news and whatever shite we we get into. Andrew, how are you? Yeah, fuck Graham. Fuck Graham. I agree. Yeah, that's that's all I have to say. Is that all you? Have? That's all you. That's <laughs> all I'm capable of saying. It's a sharp I'm podcast. Fucking, I feel like. Um, you get hangovers from UFC events these days. John, the older you get, you're just like, oh, fuck's sake. I woke up at two and it's like, what day is it? I, I don't know how long I've been asleep. And, uh, but yeah, good night of fights-ish. Yeah. I, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was an average enough life. It's funny because, like, I went to bed. I, lo- I looked at my uh, phone and the time as I was like just about to go to sleep. You know one of them, like, the, the last look at the phone before you put it down? And it was 8.17am, and I'm like, what the fuck Jesus. am I doing with my... What am I doing with my life? Why is the And, like, okay, it, there could be worse things, you know, have, be, having the ability to, like, stay up on a fucking Saturday night and watch fights all night is, is probably, like, a privilege most people would love to have and not do a fucking... Well, I have a bit of a normal job. Well, you know what I mean? Like, not a normal fucking 95, but still, it's fucking annoying. Like... I Do you not go straight to bed after the event, though? No, like, I watched a bit of the press conference, and like, I just can't sleep oh, at right. times as well, so I just... And it wasn't over, it was late as well. It was late, so I don't know. Like, the thing about it was, I was talking to, I think it was Heidi Fang last night on Twitter, and she's like, oh, I was in the UK for two events, and I tried to stay up till 5am and fell asleep both times. I think, for me, I get really used to the staying up part that i can just stay up all night always i think i've only fell asleep maybe once or twice in years but i never get used to like the just being up late all the time and how it fucks up your whole week and it's just it's so fuck i actually yeah, hate it really it. has a, it really <laughs> a knock-on effect you're just like then the next day you're getting up at like two o'clock and then yeah. going to bed at normal time it's like i can't go to sleep now yeah, works the next day it's so it really is so annoying uh, you mentioned the card there being like an okay card, but not a great card. Like to me, there's so the, the problem with the cards these days, right? Is that and and this is no fault I suppose to the UFC. It's something we probably would have criticized them for before not stacking the cards. But I think they're kind of 
really just kind of gluing these cards together as much as they can these days because you can't obviously get fighters in from like the UK and Ireland and Europe you'll have to bring them to Fight Island and I'm sure like, and like okay certain people probably can and certain countries probably can but it's you don't have like the pick of everyone if you want to make an American fighter versus someone from Germany like it's it might be tough or someone from the UK or someone from Ireland it might be tough so they're getting kind of what they can and they have only a certain amount of fighters in a certain amount of places so like putting these cards together it's it's harder these days than i think it ever was so i'll give him a little bit of slack for that in fairness but however we kind of got what we got here and there was like the 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 middle undercard part you had uh three decisions out of the four the, the pichel and miller one was was pretty good but the other two were ones you kind of just drift through and the philly serge and the rob one which we get to maybe in a minute was was a pretty good fight and the the fights under that, the uh, Kai Kamaka Tony Kelly fight to start the night was absolutely tremendous. It's a pity he couldn't keep going like that. But on the undercard, I suppose before we get to the, the main card or anything like that, did anything to stand out? I, to me, it was like good mixed with bad. Yeah, I loved it. I loved the Doukas uh, Parker Porter fight. Just two big fucking fat cunts. Massive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say. I'm not allowed to say that. But yeah, two big fat bastards. Why am, I, just hold on, why am I allowed to say Well, you're, you're a. Um, a seasoned veteran <laughs> in, the, in the art of um, of down and cans. Yeah, that's a fact. I'll, I'll take that one. I'll take it. I, I'd be a more svelte. Uh, yeah, petite, I'd, I'd be more petite myself. <laughs> I'd say it's a long time since you were fucking petite. Oh, Jesus. I'm the heaviest I've ever been. Did lockdown yeah. got me, got me, Jesus, I'm a fat bastard now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, Chris Augustin and Parker Porter, that was a great fight. Just two big lads just swinging at each other. Um, and it was, yeah, just. This is, what they, this is what they imagined, didn't they? When, when people talked about like the next movements of MMA, I actually I did a podcast. It actually hasn't been released yet, but I I, I talked about it like uh, MMA and how we had like certain eras. You know, we had the tough guys at the start, and we had like the skills coming in, and then we had well-rounded guys, and then we have like MMA people starting from MMA. You know, there's no base of wrestling or anything, and it's just pure MMA. And now we have Chris Dawkins versus Porky Parker Porter, as I. <laughs> <laughs> it was just honestly this was one of those and actually I, uh, Dawkins isn't that bad like but uh, you look at this and we're we're supposed to, you know we, we have like this oh they're top class athletes and all the thing in, in the background and some you know some MMA fighters are but there are still like fighters who basically should be fighting in car parks and like look like they should be fighting in car parks fighting on fucking UFC cards and like you want them at number four in the world in the division like besides uh, this heavyweight can be this heavyweight division can just be so like embarrassing to look yeah, at this, <laughs> I, I don't i didn't think it was that bad to be honest i thought they were okay but like i just thought it was very entertaining like just when you've got two lads you just you know someone's about to go out and then uh, doc is connected with that massive knee kind of as he's, he'd already sent parker crashing the or was it is it parker porter or porter parker parker porter yeah parker porter mm-hmm. peter pan um yeah, she's like the fucking vicious knee as he as he had already sent him crashing to the canvas. So that's what I like to see. Just just raw, brutal violence. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't really matter if it's act technical or not, sure. Like when you've got DC who's um been kind of lauded as one of the most athletic men in history by by kind of his previous opponents and stuff, and then you look at him and he's he's just a pudgy lad from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um so it looks can be deceiving. These lads are are a lot more athletic and, and talented than they look. Yeah, I'd say the same about myself, to be honest. I'm a lot more athletic and talented than I look. 
Dan- dangerous over 15 yards. <laughs> Five yards, I'd say. Maybe three, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but da- da- just dangerous normally. Um, do you know what? Uh, actually, before, I think we'll skip to the main event, but I have to mention this uh, Kai Kamaka Tony Kelly fight because this was a fucking fantastic fight. Like, this is one of the best fights of the year, I think. It was absolutely brilliant for two UFC debut- debutants. Uh, it was just a really good quality. It reminded me of that fight. And a higher level, obviously, but that fight in in Dublin, uh, the the Bellator card, remember the two debutants fought, and I was like surprised by like how high level it was. And this as well, the two lads re- I'd never heard of, and you know they were coming into the UFC for their first fights, just really high level. I thought Kamaka won the first, I thought Kelly won the third, and I thought the second was very close. This was twenty nine, twenty eight year way, but Kamaka got it in all three judges. Just blood and guts and Kelly was like the underdog coming into it and he just came out and he said fuck this I'm just throwing everything and he did it and like he refused to take a backward step uh and Kamaka refused to like let him make him take a backward step so it was one of these fights that was just it was a thrilling fight from start to finish one fight at night and I'm so glad it did it was a brilliant one wasn't it yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I actually missed that fight. Ah. <laughs> the, the, the only fight in the card I, I didn't watch. <laughs> the only I got fight, there late. The only uh, good fucking fight. Fuck's sake! Go back uh, to watch I, was, that. I was watching a watching a documentary on Michelle Obama instead. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake! <laughs> Fucking look, uh, look, this is things like when you have when you, when you're trying to. This, it's a negotiation at home, right? When you're trying yeah. to watch a UFC card. The missus is saying, hang on now, like, I need I need at least two hours of your time uh, before you just ditch me for six. Yeah. So uh, these these are the sacrifices we make, Sean. Can you not say that? Or like, why don't you just go to bed now? Go, <laughs> go, go, go sleep now. <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> just treat her like a child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, w- one other thing, just on the, before we kind of talk about the main card or anything else, um, brilliant uh, submission win for uh, Vina, or was it, is it Verna? Verna? John Roba. Yeah. I, I definitely pronouncing that name wrong, but Jandy Roba, she looks very, very good, and she moved to sixteen and one, uh, submitted for these Herrick, so I think was that was the first time she had been finished in her career. Mm-hmm. Um, Jandy Roba's only loss is to Carlos Barca, so she she should be a, a serious fixture in the division, and I see a lot of people. I saw is it Eric. Uh, Cole, who does he's part of the the rankings. He's trying to move her up, uh, immediately up into the top fifteen. Oh, so. Yeah, so yeah, she'd be one to watch in the division there now. Uh, just absolutely clinical uh, transitions and, and just completely smothered her before taking her arm. Yeah, did you see the submission she got? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, it was an, an armbar. An, an armbar. <laughs> an arm. Yeah, I think you you. An armbar. An armbar. And an armor. <laughs> it was it was good though. In fairness, like I love yeah. the way she she was one of these ones. She reminds me of like uh, what's her man's name, George Sotteropoulos. He was just come across with two bendy knees, fall on top of someone, and then submit him, which is old school MMA, which I absolutely love. You have to feel for Felice Herrig though, because she came in here and she immediately got taken down and didn't look great getting taken down. Let's be honest. And then when you get on the the bottom with Jendi Hoba, as I believe as people were calling her. It's a tough night. It's a very, very tough night. If she gets anyone on the ground like that, she she reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Alexi Olnik. You know, it's kind of more old school. Maybe catches catch hen something like that. Yeah, yeah. So she's uh, there's no messing around with her and a lot of control. And when she sees the opportunity to take the arm or take the neck or whatever it might be, she she takes it. So I'm looking uh, forward to seeing d- Felice back. Deaths, taxes, and arm bars and women's MMA. Correct. Arm. But anyway, right. Let's let's talk about the main event here. So we'll get to the other ones after that. We probably we probably buried the lead there. But anyway, let's do it. I had to mention that Tony Tony Kelly fight anyway, and uh, Kai Kamaka because that was brilliant. But even though I've never seen it, uh, this main event, I like. Right, we'll talk about the scoring first because I I I kind of changed my mind from last night. I think 
and I changed my mind in a certain way. I think the, the, the third round in this uh, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier fight was a clear Stipe Miocic round. I think the other four were not clear. But I think the first two, which all the judges scored the same, um, via the new scoring criteria, were scored perfectly. I think the most impactful shots in the first round came in the end of the round from Daniel Cormier, and he won it in all three judges' cards. And I think in the second round, the exact same thing happened for Stipe Miocic. And I would argue almost that both of them were maybe losing the rounds up until that point, and that took it for him. So, and then we had the third round, which they all scored the same as well. So, if this was a three-round fight, this would have been a unanimous 29-28 decision. And to me, the fourth and fifth rounds, which we might get into a little bit more, are the ones that were very, very close. I scored both of them for Cormier last night. Rewatch both of them today. And I scored the fourth definitely for Stipe this time, so I changed my mind on that one. And the fifth, I think it's still very close. I still just edged Carmia, although I think all three judges gave it to Stipe. But there was lots of clinching and not much striking in that. Mm. I just thought Carmia landed a little bit better in that. So my my score last night, 48-47 Carmia. My score this morning after rewatching is 48-47 Stipe. But as I said... Four very, 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 very close. Even the third round was relatively close, but because Carmier was hurt at the end of the second, he didn't recover, and Stipe won it. So Stipe, I think every everyone would probably call that a 10-9 uh, Stipe, and they'd be correct. But I think the first two were judged very well, but still close. Like And the four and five, I think you could go either way. When we saw A couple of the judges went a different way on four, and they all agreed on five for uh, for Stipe. But uh, I, I thought it was a very close fight. What did you think? Yeah, I thought the same. I, I mean, I think that's deep by one. Um, but they, again, as you said, they're very, very close rounds. I had the first round for Cormier. Second round, I think, was even clearer um, for Stipe. Um, just in that he, like he, there was a chance that he, the fight was even going to be stopped after that because Cormier was potentially out uh, at the end of that second round. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think after the fourth round, I really didn't know. I, th- I thought it was either going to be 39-37 or, or 38-38, uh, 39-37 to Miocic or 38-38. So, and then I thought that Stipe just edged the last one. So I was, I would have been happy with say 4-1 Stipe or, or 3-2. I probably wouldn't have given it to Cormier. But, um, but again, very close round. So even though, if you're on the you're on the kind of the edge of your, your seat and you're kind of thinking, oh, I don't know which way it's going, and then if you're looking at it one way, it could it could be that Cormier just edged them, even though optically it looked like Stipe won the fight. So you know, I've no issue with the with the judges anyway, and I think it was a very close one. Yeah, it was it was very interesting, and I I think especially that um, the fifth round, like I think watching back the fourth round, uh, Cormier in the last maybe 15 seconds of that fourth round landed a good few shots and he landed the sort of shots that you kind of want to land to take around you know they're, they're immediately impactful around uh, shots but i think watching the back that steep definitely did a little bit more but in the fifth uh, in the fifth it was very difficult i think because there was lots of clinching steep kind of got the underhook against the cage and the overhook i think at one stage as well and kind of just held dc there for a long time which doesn't score when you were talking about mma judging criteria no, but i think that um mm-hmm. similar to what you were saying previously um on the i think it was on the podcast with ben cartilage where we're talking about say like stalling or or closing out around so even though they're not they're not scoring it's yeah. it's preventing your opponent from scoring and i think that's what ultimately won steep eight around in, in the fifth yeah i, I, I don't not, know not about that the round, but i think i think that, like i remember it, I, tw- I think i tweeted out during the middle of the fifth round i was like look a couple of big shots for either fighter yeah. will win them this um, it, it definitely made the round not, not much happened then after that though yeah and, 
it made the round the closer round or a, like a round that is scored on like it's you don't it's not a round that scored over five minutes per se when there's three minutes of of clinching it's a, sco- a round that scored on the two minutes in either side of that clinching so you're right in that in that realm i think but uh, i thought dc landed the harder punches like uh, yeah. in, in that fifth round but it was really close like that the fourth and fifth i think and, and especially the fifth was just uh, we've, we're having so many close rounds in mma these days and it was funny when we get to the eye poke and stuff in a second and but mark Allard put up a thing you can't call what you can't see you know and i discussed that with being on the podcast there a couple of weeks ago when it comes to like the judging uh realm like that fifth round is a round in my opinion maybe people will disagree and you know people will probably say oh steve i want it handy what the fuck are you talking about but in my like in my opinion and i you know, I, I picked Steep at the win the fight by decision. So me last night scoring for for Carmia isn't me with like some biased thing or anything or me I didn't bet him or anything like that. Chill, so chill. <laughs> yeah, and I'm probably the most on Daniel Carmia shill of, of all time. And we'll get to that in a second as well. But I am um, uh, like it's one of those fights where you know you as I was saying there you can't call what you can't see. Like if one judge missed one of those big shots from Steep or I missed one from Cormier on the wrong side, I, that can change the whole round like that in such a close round and in such a close fight as well. That could have happened a couple of times in the round. So it's this is one of like close rounds as I say all the time are always going to be close rounds and close fights are always going to be close fights. Um, uh, yeah, no, I need yeah. to like I haven't watched it back yet, so uh, obviously with the the clarity of, of watching it the next day, I, I don't have that. So I'd like to see it again and maybe watch mm-hmm. those closer rounds. But um, yeah, no, I'm happy with this deep A win. I think yeah, I think most people would be. Yeah, overall to me, watching the fight as well from like a, a technical and point of view and a tactical point of view, I thought it was very fascinating. I went back obviously on the rewatch on Patreon this week. I watched uh, the first fight and the second fight, and the big thing to me was in both of those fights, and especially the second fight, was DC's like two-handed hand fighting, which we discussed on the the betting show as well, and what Steep did late in the second fight to counteract that, and what might happen in the third fight as well and what happened in the third fight was there was no two-handed hand fighting from Daniel Cormier almost at all throughout the whole fight especially from the start there was nothing he was trying to fight Stipe long he was trying to come in and get takedowns uh underneath he managed to get one he trying to get takedowns though he he managed to get one and he stayed on top for what 15-20 seconds Stipe got up and he never tried again after it which to me was looking at the entire fight i would say i would say that steve won the grappling exchanges yeah would you agree with that i, I would yeah but i think the problem is that dc like could you say dc got a takedown in the first round did he go for another takedown in the whole fight like did he re- truly like go in on a like a double leg or push him against the cage and try to take uh, him down against the it cage was, it was very strange like dc was talking in the post-fight interview about how he was kind of really praising steepe's uh, underhooks and, and how he kind of had him up in his cage but yeah. it just looked like he was accepting the position and he wasn't doing it and he seemed like obviously he'd been caught with those big punches at the end of the second round and then he, he seemed to just look to recover anytime he was up against the cage and just kind of i know they're talking about in the broadcast like he always takes the third round off but I think that's bullshit. Yeah, but um, but yeah, like I, it's, he really didn't implement his grappling whatsoever. And I, I think I kind of had a feeling this would be the case prior to the fight because he just, if you watch DC and if you watch, say, how he fought Jones and, and any time you expect him to implement a certain game plan, uh-huh. he's very stubborn. He's, he's a, yeah. He has a big ego. And I think he just went in there and just went wanted to knock Stipe out. And that was his only uh, prerogative was just to go in there and knock, uh, knock Stipe Miocic out. And I just don't think he... He implemented any sort of grappling game plan whatsoever. I I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Like I I I'm very interested in what you said there about uh, him talking about Steep and winning the battles against the cage because I heard hadn't heard that. But I was thinking like 
because I, I talked about like the two hand, two handed hand fighting which Carmi always does and that's basically his entry you know it's his entry whether he can dip down and go for a single leg or a high crotch as, Daniel, or as uh, Dominic Cruz kept calling for or his little inside punches which are really fast which he's done throughout his whole career or the latter part anyway of his career and at the high level and being very effective with him so it changed every entry for him you know it changed all his entries uh, uh, into striking it changed all his entries into grappling uh, and at the start, it actually worked for him because he got that one takedown, you know, and, and pushed him against the cage uh, uh, one time as well. But it felt like later in the fight, and as you mentioned there with the Stipe getting the grappling against the cage, I think it felt like Daniel Cormier was trying to get Stipe to initiate the grappling and see if he yeah. could win there. And he couldn't. Like, Stipe won it all the time. The, the big issue is he, I think, he, there was plenty of grappling exchanges against the cage, but none of them which Daniel Carmia started. There was probably no. a couple, but very few. And I think that's the issue. To take someone like Stipe Miocic down, you have to have a game plan like Daniel Carmia had from the very start, I think, which was to yeah. fight long and come in quick. He has a speed advantage over Stipe, maybe a little bit stronger as well, even though he's, he's smaller and stuff. And I just don't think he implemented that at all after the first one. And I think the reason why he didn't implement that is because he couldn't hold him down. And maybe he was worried about getting tired late because we saw in the, the second fight, he did get tired late and he, he lost in the fourth round of that fight. And we talked about that coming in as well. I thought Stipe would be better late in this fight. To, to me, it was very close, but... I yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd argue that Stipe was the only one initiating any or attempting any sort of takedowns. Like even in open space in the center of the cage, he was the one kind of like his corner were calling from t- to try and trip Cormier, and he did attempt it a few times, but he, he was unsuccessful. But you didn't see Cormier engage in any sort of. You never saw him shoot for a single or a double leg or anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just it was just a strange one. But I think that like we we speak about kind of about what Cormier didn't do a lot, but it, but really Stipe went out and won this fight. Like he, if yeah. you looked at that first round, I think it was, um, or if you watched say the, the fourth round of their second fight, it's when he really started to move. Like he talked about how he just felt stuck for the first three rounds of that second mm-hmm. fight. And he was just stood in front of Cormier. He didn't do that at all in the, in the first round of this. So he was constantly moving, picking his shots, uh, going to the body immediately and kind of and, uh, working off of building off the success of the previous fight into the, bringing that into this one. Um, so I, th- I thought Miocic played a brilliant game plan, to be honest. Yeah, and the funny thing is, right, I thought I thought he did as well, but I thought he, Carmier's game plan kind of led to that, especially in the second round. You know, Carmier's best round, I think, or his best four minutes of a round, was in the second round where he lost and almost got knocked out, to be honest. Because I thought what he did very well in that round was, you know, my what I said there earlier about, you know, his entries and how he would win a fight by, by entering with his two-handed hand fighting. What he did in, in that second round was he let Stipe enter and then he was countering and being the faster guy and he'd wait for Stipe to hit mm-hmm. a throw his shot and in the counter with two or three shots and he was hitting Stipe hard. But the problem with that, as we discussed before the, the fight uh, on, on the, the main podcast last week and on the Ben show as well, is that he's... When you fight that game, you're fighting the strikers game, and you know I think everyone would probably agree that Steep is a little bit better of a better striker than DC. Although DC striking has improved an awful lot, and all it takes in that sort of okay, maybe Cormier could knock him out, but all it takes in that sort of um, those sort of exchanges is the guy with that big straight right hand, as John Jones tweeted last night. Uh, he, if you can avoid the right hand of Steeper, you're going a long way. But DC couldn't avoid it, and he couldn't avoid the left coming after it and before it as well. Did you think and, he looks a little bit slower than usual? Carmia? Yeah. No, I didn't. I thought he looked good. Like I saw a few people talking about that. Oh, he looks forty one, he looks old. I thought he looked perfect. I thought he looked as good as he always did, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't see I did, yeah. No, I didn't think it, like I didn't I didn't see a big drop off in, in 
skill everything, but I just I don't know. He he kind of looked like he just didn't want to be there though a little bit to me. Um, I just thought he accepted a lot of positions. And now it's easier easy for me to say that mm-hmm. from uh, the the luxury of a podcast when he's after getting almost knocked out at the end of the second. So maybe that was just a massive factor. And then the eye poke obviously later on. Yeah. But um, what did you think of the eye poke? Um, I mean, like, yeah, it was a horrendous eye poke, and I'm sure it had a massive effect, but. Um, you can't really feel too sorry for him when he had his own eye poke and earlier on in the fight and he's had three or whatever across the other fight so these things happen and, and they, until they change the gloves or until people stop fucking leading with their fingers and, and th- like that's the style like when you look at DC his whole style is hand fighting so his, his fingers are going to be stretched out there so in uh, the same way if he's doing that and he's engaging Stipe and that then it's going to be vice versa so um, yeah it was horrendous and I'm sure it had a massive effect but I mean he didn't he did very well to stay in the fight. I thought he was going to get knocked out after that, but um, he did yeah. well to stay in. It's funny because I thought like the one from DC in the first round, I think it was, was actually more egregious in terms of having your fingers straight out, but it didn't yeah. make as much of an impact. I thought the Stipe one was more accidental, but it had a bigger impact, obviously. And It's an, it's an, an interesting debate what you do with those sort of things. I know Goddard didn't see it, as I, I mentioned earlier on. He came out and he tweeted about it, which is fair play. If he had seen it, he might have done something uh, different, but... Like, what can you do in that situation? Is it fair to take a point like that when it's, like, completely accidental? I think most people would probably agree. And even DC's one in the start, how, like... I think that was accidental as well. Although yeah. he had his I don't fingers think out, them are so. going out there to yeah. like specifically poke each other in the eye. Like they're mm. more than capable of fighting without doing that. Yeah, it's but it's an interesting debate, and it's just there's a lot of parts of MMA we kind of we get mad about. We we just have to live with them. Like there's nothing we can do. There's no there's no way in the ways around it. You have to have open gloves. Jandiroba probably wouldn't have been able to get her armbar last night. Armbar like, if we didn't have open gloves. You know, it's you need your fingers out there. I'm sure Andrew McGann. Yeah, like even anyway. even if they take <laughs> that's exactly. What exactly what you're saying like even if they change the gloves it's not going to completely eliminate no. uh, eye pokes like people need to be able to move their hands freely to grapple so they're, they're not going to completely restrict your, your movement otherwise they're completely changing the sport um, that's never going to happen so I mean I think look, we just the things that are outside of our control and are outside of fighters control and you're just going to have to get on with it but um, mm-hmm. it, it is interesting like obviously you mentioned Goddard posted a lengthy statement apologising and saying look I don't have the luxury of, of seeing TV replays and things like that and I got it wrong so fair fucks to him for, for kind of uh, taking ownership and I think that's something that needs to be acknowledged and, and respected because we are very quick to criticize judges and we ask for kind of uh, we demand answers after there's a bad stoppage or there's an early stoppage or things like that mm-hmm. but mark goddard consistently comes out and he addresses when he's wrong so i mean you, you don't have to like the guy but you have to respect that he's at least taking ownership and coming out and, and clarifying his, his position on things like that um but again if that if he does see that does it potentially become if cormier is sitting there and he's saying i can't see out of my eye does it then become a no contest and, and the fight's waved off? Maybe. So, or if he takes a point, like if, if he takes a point, I don't think he would have taken a point. Yeah. I don't think he takes a point because he he, like, he, he didn't. Yeah, and like he didn't take a point from Cormier. Like I don't think there was anything very egregious. So like he'd given Cormier some warnings. Like you can't you can't just then turn around and, and take away from uh, Miocic if he hasn't got no warning yet. So mm-hmm. or that's my opinion, unless it's like a blatantly dirty one. Yeah, the thing about it as well is right. If you do have your fingers out and it causes damage, I think you should take away a point because it's the damage more yeah. than the the act itself. But it's it's the consistency it, of it though. Yeah, it's a, it is, and it's a tough. That's a tough decision to make in a fucking world title fight with with you know ten minutes to go and. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all we'd be talking about today. Then, is yeah, if, uh, like, that it completely changed the narrative and take yeah. away from the fight itself. And actually, I thought it looked really bad for DC, and he had one or two right hands. I, I think immediately after to start to the fourth, but I thought he did well. You know, I thought he fought 
well but the, the problem I think the problem for both of them and or they got very tired in, in that fifth round especially and uh, it was it kind of turned into a, it was a great fight for the first three rounds but I think for the last two rounds and especially yeah. the end of the fourth and the fifth it was it was a bit like you know, you know just a battle of wills there towards the end but uh, yeah, overall, what do you think of John Jones' uh, com- running commentary in the fight was he being sarcastic or was he actually uh, <laughs> was he actually kind of praising yeah, DC I there I, I don't know you'd never know I just love John yeah. Jones being an absolute prick like it's one of my favorite things in MMA. I just, I love when he's a, a, like, because I'd be the exact same in that yeah. position as I like. I just, I think, yeah, I, like, I love it. when he acknowledges it. Like, things mm. like this where he's like, just, he knows he's been just being a shithead. Yeah, he, yeah. Even though he, he was saying nothing bad, but like, he's just, you still think, yeah, here's John, yeah. like, just coming in to fucking stir the pot here. But, um, yeah, like, I can't stand John Jones, John Jones at times, but when he does stuff like this, I, I find it very entertaining. Every, every tweet I see from John Jones like that, all I see is the Tommy Toehold respectfully after. <laughs> Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, you're just taking a piss here, John, John. It's like uh, he probably just actually doesn't give a fuck about what nah. DC's doing, or, or he's actually praising him. He's just like, right, DC's fighting. I've beat this lad twice, so I'm just going to take praise. I'm going to accept some of the praise on behalf of DC to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a lot. McGregor does that as well, though. In fairness, they're, they're all at yeah. that. But John Jones is probably. Probably McGregor like throws one tweet out there and makes everyone mad, which I think he kind of does on purpose to kind of laugh at the reaction. But John Jones is like fourteen tweets, you know, <laughs> throughing yeah. all night. I'll be deleted by tomorrow. I like that. Uh, um, before we get, think, go on. Sorry, what were you say? no, I was gonna say, what, what do you think happens next? You, like, obviously, Jones is kind of teasing out now, like he's gonna fight Stipe, and mm-hmm. I saw Brandon Gibson saying here we can take that title. Yeah, Francis Ngannou, I fucking love that tweet, being like, seat, uh, seat down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and wait your turn to John. Jones, yeah. um, I, 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 I think it's exciting now. Yeah, John this Jones is over now. <laughs> yeah, John Jones has been known throughout the years for selling heavyweight wolf tickets. So, uh, I think Dana was quick to say last night it's going to be Francis versus Steepa, mm. which normally you can't believe Dana's lies, but uh, I think that's an easy fight to make. The thing about, well, I think Jones would, I think Jones would move up now. Mm. I think now that he's seen. Like I don't think he'll be scared of Steve Mojic after seeing that no, fight. No, I, I don't think he's scared of Steve Mojic, but I don't think the UFC are going to pay him the money he wants to go up. And I also don't know if he if they even do that, he would go up. I, like John Jones is a bully. We have to remember that. Like John Jones, his whole career, his whole personality is just a bully boy. He loves fighting middleweights at two or five. That's John Jones is a great fighter. Don't get me wrong, but he's a bully. Like uh, we, we, he's. Everything about John Jones is just being a bully. And will he be able to bully Steve Miocic? You know, maybe. He, he he might be able to do it, but he's a safe fighter as well. He's always taking the safe option. Uh, always, throughout his whole career. And is that is Steve Miocic or Francis Ngannou the safe option? Absolutely not. But I don't know what it's going to take. I... I, I like you just can't trust John Jones. I remember we did a podcast about it probably fucking six months ago when he was talking about going up fighting Francis and saying like this is the fight. There's no fight in the world I'd rather watch than John Jones versus Francis Ngannou, and probably second John Jones versus Stephen Miocic, a fantastic fight as well. But I just can't see John Jones. I hope he does. I hope I'm wrong and I hope I, I don't care. But I really want to see those fights. But I just I can't see John Jones happening. Come here to me. We have to talk about what's next for DC and stuff. But before that, I just want to talk about like the, the build up and the commentary itself. Like, to me, this was the one of the most idiotic build-ups for a fight of all time. Like, we just talked about John Jones there. DC, in one of the promos, and I think he actually corrected himself as well, but he said uh, that Stipe Miocic was his greatest rival, and then they were talking about, like, it being for the greatest heavyweight of all time, and okay, now that Stipe won, he might, he's up there, I think, and he's on the way, maybe, with a, if he was to beat John Jones, you could, I don't know if he's to beat Ngano again, maybe, you could fucking... 
make a huge argument that he's he's the very best. And I think probably up there with Cain Velasquez, Junior Santos, probably a little bit better than him as best UFC of all uh, heavyweight of all time as well. And Frank Mir and other ones going back further as well. I think Stipe is probably the best there, but you know we still have Fedor and all that. But I think the the fact that we said they said before this could decide who's the greatest heavyweight of all time. It's like. Maybe if Daniel Cormier wins it, no, because he's like Cormier could have been if he was there the whole time and he beat, you know, his teammate Ken Velasquez and he beat JDS and he beat, you know, he okay beat Derek Lewis and he beat Steve and he beat guys before he went down to light heavyweight for those nine fights I think it was. But yeah, you can't just like is McGregor with that because I mean if (laughs) if DC wins, DC DC wins. DC, that's his French version. Yeah. Uh, if DC wins, like he's beaten what Derek Lewis and Steve Miocic twice. Yeah. Is that it? Is that it in the UFC? Uh, Ryan Nelson, he had a few before as well. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, before right, yeah, ages ago though. But yeah. yeah, so no, I, I don't think like that's almost a different era when he fought at he at heavyweight the previous time. Yeah. Um. So no, I don't think so. But like. If he was to beat Stipe and then beat Francis Ngannou, then you're talking, then it's a different story. Yeah. But that's not reality and that's not what happened. So, yeah, exactly. um, but yes, yeah, I mean, I think Stipe definitely has a claim to it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, who else in the UFC would be Verdum, Kane? That's really it for the greatest ever uh, in the UFC. And he's beaten, um, he's beaten, he knocked out Verdum and Kane kind of just withered away and, and he was plagued by injuries. So, yeah, I think yeah. he's the most consistent, one of the most skilled as well, has great victories. So, yeah, Stipe, I think Stipe is the greatest heavyweight in the history of the UFC. But, it's, yeah, but they, look, they're always going to market it this way. It's yeah. the UFC, like it's their job to do it that way. And <laughs> Cormier is. is the most ultimate company man that there is in the UFC. So, mm-hmm. he's obviously going to say that and it's to his own benefit when he's the one fighting. So, yeah, um, <laughs> why wouldn't they? Yeah, I, it was bullshit though. <laughs> it's their job to promote it in whatever way they want to and it's my job to call it fucking bullshit if it's fucking bullshit so there you go what did you think Fair of point. the but look Paris Hilton had fun so that's all that she matters. did I was like oh I've been watching yeah. I've been watching that show what's it called with her like aunts on it or something a great show I don't know Real Housewives brilliant show what was the one her and uh, Nicole um, Richie used to have A Simple no. Life oh yeah oh yeah I used to watch that one it was years ago they used to go, they work on a farm and stuff. As gas. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Jeez, that's a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah, Fucking showing her age now. Um, and that, that other movie she was in. No, I never saw that one. What was that? It <laughs> <laughs> was a play-by-play of that one. Oh, God. It was... Uh, Who was in that? It was um, A Night in France or something. Oh, jeez. Right. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, oh, geez. Uh, Come here to me. Speaking of like uh, Anthony Bourdain <laughs> spin-off. Jesus. Speak- yeah. Speaking of uh, being like in the fight, what did you think of the commentary? I saw a lot of people going mad about the commentary being very favorable towards DC and that uh, Dominic Cruz and Joe Rogan were very bad towards DC. What do you think? Uh, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I, I kind of had the volume on quite low. Yeah. I, I get a bit sick of hearing them kind of fighting with each other and it's also fucking Bruce Buffer anytime Bruce Buffer announces anyone it's 4am 5am and you you're, you have the volume on low all of a sudden Bruce Buffer comes in and it sounds like someone's attacking someone in your apartment so I'm like geez the fucking neighbours will be down here now in a second so then I'll turn it down low and then you can't hear the commentary when they start um, I didn't really hear I mean there was obviously a lot of praise afterwards but I, I didn't really take notice I was just kind of watching it without I couldn't really bear to listen to yeah. DC or um, Cruz and, and Rogan argue I actually didn't think they were that bad. Watching back the the fourth and fifth today, I I have it turned down very low as well because I kind of like to concentrate on the fights more than the the commentary, unless it's um, you know but further was, down a bit. But I, I didn't. No, think they were that I bad. do remember a little bit, but like, was Rogan not very? I th- I thought Rogan was kind of consistently talking about how hurt DC was though. 
um, so I didn't. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, know. I don't know. I, I didn't think it was that bad. I think people are always kind of get mad about everything. And but they're you know. sorry, so, so what's the narrative? They're saying that they were. They're, yeah, they're saying they were very pro Daniel Cormier. Yeah, and that's. I didn't really notice that. To yeah, be honest, I didn't either. To be honest, yeah, I thought it was. But yeah, I thought look, people always talk shit. But anyway, right. um, so what's next for DC? Is is this it? Do you think he's retired? Uh, hashtag what's next for DC? Give him rug rug. I love it. Welcome book. rug rug into the UFC. Book that right now. Book it. Book um, it. No, I don't know. Like, I just think I don't know. Give him some time. Like he, this is a man who has built his entire persona, his entire career, and and what people respect most about him is his kind of strength through adversity. And mm-hmm. um, this is a guy who's lost his father, who's lost a, a child, who's uh, suffered their taste of defeat at every avenue and every every path in his career, whether it be wrestling in college, whether it be on the Olympic stage, whether it be um, against John Jones and now, and now Steve Miocic. So this is a lad who is, who's constantly lost and come back. So I think it's very, very naive to think that he's just going to say, okay, I'm I'm no longer maybe going to fight for a title. So that's it. Mm-hmm. DC has that fighting spirit and he has that hunger and he, he, this isn't going to sit well for him, especially because of the eye poke. Yeah. I think that he, want another crack of Stipe Miocic and I don't think this is the last we'll see of Daniel Cormier yeah I don't either to be honest but look that, that'll play out and we, look we talk enough about hashtag MMA retirements and everything but I, I want and I, I think he'd probably be back as well if you were to ask me if Daniel Cormier fight again I'd say yeah but I hope he doesn't uh, though yeah, I don't. I, like, I, I didn't like, think he looked too bad I, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight again you know I just don't think like I, I don't think he's I doubt. I doubt. I highly doubt he's ever going to win a title again. And I think that he is in. He is such a good position at the moment where he can go into the media side of things and, and he uh-huh. can go into the coaching side of things. I don't think he needs fighting anymore. And I realize that doesn't really matter because he's still a very a top class athlete and he should continue fighting if he's capable of it. But mm-hmm. the risk versus reward, I think, is is starting to be. It, it's tipping towards the other side now. Not because he can't beat people, but I just think that the he's already reached the pinnacle of the sport and, and the rewards for him there's a bar that's set and I think that he needs to continue to achieve that bar or higher otherwise you're what's the point like not not what's the point but you're the rewards aren't as great as they used to be who, who would you pick Daniel Carmia versus Francis Ngannou who do you think would win that Francis Ngannou who would you yeah I'm the biggest Francis fan in the world but I think DC would beat him I mean yeah. I think DC if it's a yeah yeah see i i fucking it's it's his game plan because i think sometimes he has i actually you know i think he would wrestle because yeah, he, <laughs> he, like, he, he knows he knows like when is he when he's fighting miocha she's thinking i can knock this lad out but mm-hmm. i don't think he thinks that about francis yeah. Uh, um, yeah i think it'd be like a vulcan ozimer <laughs> fight potentially yeah you could be right uh, one thing i must i want to say it as well about dc because i think the analysis of dc's career and what he was as a fighter like I don't. I I struggle to see a fighter maybe who gets it worse. Even even McGregor, I think there was a lot of bad things said about McGregor in terms of what he is as a fighter. But I think a lot of people got it right too. For DC, I I think it's because he's ingratiated himself. So is that the right word? I think it is to like the American MMA media, and he's like every every MMA media member seems to be his best friend. You know, he's he's one of those guys. It just everyone seems to love him, and that can maybe cloud your judgment a little bit, but. Uh, and for some people, that actually makes them like not like Daniel Cormier. So I like, I think the reality of it is right that like if, where would you how would you summarize his, his career then or how I, like, I'll do it. I, I, Daniel Cormier, I think, is the consensus second best light heavyweight of all time. Uh, you know, I think there's some other good guys as well. If you look back in the day towards you know Chocolate Delta, Ortiz, and all, but I like to look at 
in terms of quality, in terms of ability, and in terms of wins and everything like that. And I think Cormier is, I think he is that. Just very unfortunate for him, he came in a time where John Jones was. But I just said that there, right? Very unfortunate for him, he comes in a time with John Jones. And what does that do? That locks him in to John Jones. Like, he's almost as good as John Jones. He's not. Does John, does John <laughs> Jones's, I think I know your answer already, but yeah. does John Jones's positive tests have any effect on that? No, uh, a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's that's an argument people can have, and you know if they want to have it, that's maybe an argument for another day. But like on on Carmia, right? He he has he has been like drawn along with Jones for his whole career, and then he went up right and he fought at heavyweight. And I I remember talking to the podcast after that, like this was the fight which got Daniel Carmia out from under John Jones's career, or uh, you know out from under John Jones's like his shadow and stuff. Now he's a genuine heavyweight champion. If he'd been able to go on and beat Stipe again and maybe like beat Derek Lewis as he did and beat Francis Ngannou and then right off into the sunset and retire like that, I think all this talk about Daniel Cormier being one of the greatest fighters of all time would be justified. You know, he was, okay, he was almost as good as Jones. You could argue that, well, he was he was second best to Jones. You could argue that's not his best weight class. He went back up the heavyweight. His best weight class, he couldn't be there for years because of Cain Velasquez. And he dominated there for his last four or five fights of his career. And he went away at one of the greatest fighters of all time. But that didn't yeah. happen. That didn't happen. He got knocked out brutally by Stipe Miocic uh, in the second fight. And he got beaten in the third fight. Could you argue that Daniel Cormier is the second best heavyweight of this era? I don't think so, to be honest, because he hasn't been there uh, long think, enough. Yeah, he hasn't been yeah, there long yeah. enough. Like I think the thing with Cormier is he's a very good fighter. He, I think, people people look at Daniel Cormier right and they say he's underachieved in MMA because like he was almost as good as Jones. He was almost the best heavyweight at the time. I actually think he's overachieved. I think Cormier's game is good but limited. He's a little bit like Frankie Edgar as well. A very good game was great did very well to win a championship never gave up was all always found ways very intelligent like frankie as well i think but and which we'll get to later because frankie's fighting next week but i think the fact that he hung in there with guys i think who are superior in terms of quality to him in two divisions and became a champion in both of those divisions is just testament to what daniel cormier is as a fighter a fantastic fighter i don't think he's close to being one of the greatest fighters of all time people like i saw someone saying he's the third greatest fighter of all time uh yesterday come, no. come on no come no. this is one of the most ridiculous things i've fucking ever seen top 20 top 25 maybe will you put daniel cormier up there but the, yeah. the, the analysis know, of him has been crazy so, so we'll rewrite history a little bit yeah. Take out, take out John Jones. Let's pretend John Jones never existed. Mm-hmm. If John Jones never existed, is Daniel Cormier one of the greatest fighters of all time? I don't think so. No, because I don't think. I don't because think if he we talk, made just, sorry, the reason. Just yeah. sorry, let me just explain. So the reason why I ask that is because if when we talk about John Jones, we talk about John Jones as potentially the greatest fighter of all time. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you can't just ignore the fact that he's there and that the DC has these losses. But take him away. If he's if the if the only thing precluding DC from the conversation is the losses to say John Jones and obviously now the loss to to the second loss to you know just but yeah. prior to this fight happening it was one on one so if we take Jones out and he's the greatest ever then how can we not include DC if that's the only thing precluding him from the conversation? Because DC does not have the same skill set as John Jones. He doesn't have the same array of knockouts against people like John Jones has. He's not as good a fighter as John Jones. Like, there's some people who are very dominant, and, like, DC could have won over and over and over and over again, but not in the same sort of way as John Jones or garnered, like, the 
the incredulity that John Jones had. Like you, we, and we've seen it in other divisions. You know, we've we've seen it down through. Like Usman at the moment would be a, like a perfect example of of someone like that, in my opinion, who's winning like well Cormier. and winning, yeah, winning dominantly and using his wrestling and and has good striking and everything like that. But are people talking about Usman as one of like the best of all time? They're not like, and I don't think they will be for a while as well. And Woodley did very well in in that division as well. We you know we'll see it with other people, uh, I'm sure, and even like Stipe somewhat yeah. for a while. Like, I, it's different. We can see fighters like this who are like generational talents. We see a GSP, or we see a Habib, or we see a Demetrius Johnson, we see a John Jones, and they're absolutely generational talents. And you think you think Daniel of like the, is not that. The, guillotine, the guillotine against Machidi. You think of beating the yeah. the training partner in Evans, beating Charles Son, and knocking out Dan, or Alexander Gustafsson in mm. the second fight. That first amazing fight. So I guess that was historic kind of. Um, uh, yeah, highlight real moments. The, the thing well. about this, right? I might sound very harsh on Daniel Cormier when I'm saying here, but we're talking about the greatest fighters of all time here. <laughs> you know, this is like, you know, we, we could look at Wayne Rooney and say he's a great soccer player, but he's no Ronaldo, he's no Messi. You know, it's it's one of those arguments where you're. This is very, very, very. Where I'm, I put him in like the top twenty fights of fighters of all time. The top. Tw- that's a lot. Very <laughs> that's a good. very good fucking fighter. <laughs> All I'm saying, he's not like someone put him in the top three. Like it's. I think it's, that's absolutely ridiculous. But still a great fighter. And it's it's funny because m- some people will probably get mad at what I said there. But I think that's just the reality of it. And there's. I think yeah, he's had a great career. I think he's a two way champion. You know, a consecutive two way champion. Brilliant career for for someone who wasn't the best fighter in either of his divisions at any time. I don't think uh, for him who's, to do who's that. A greater, who's who's uh, higher up on the totem pole for greatest of all time? Jones. Henry Cejudo or Cormier? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think actually, because Henry Cejudo didn't do it for that long, uh, but he had some very good wins as well. But Henry Cejudo is like halfway through his career as well. I know he says he's retired and everything, but it's interesting. It's interesting. Henry Cejudo. Beast <laughs> Demetrius Johnson, and then he had that early stoppage <laughs> against <laughs> TJ Dillashaw. <coughs> I don't know. I like. I think a lot of people are actually underestimated as well. We were talking about greatest of all time. Just, it's funny because what happens at maybe the end of a person's career as well sometimes is taken away from the longevity they had. Like if you look at Jose Aldo, who was a champion and unbeaten for nine years, and a champion for what five or six of them. I think he should be up there, even though he he lost to McGregor and he lost to Holloway and everything, but he had that long reign. Like, DC never had a long reign like that. You know, he had one defense at heavyweight against uh, Derek Lewis, and what did he have, maybe two while John Jones was away at light heavyweight? Um, and, like, I, I put him above Demetrius Johnson, I think. I think, obviously, GSP, obviously, Demetrius Johnson, uh, obviously, uh, John Jones, Henry Suda, maybe, obviously, Stephen Miocic now as well, you know, so... You know, if, if we're talking about Anderson MMA, Fedor, he beat Anderson, but and, yeah, that's another one. Like DC, the, uh, uh, do you know DC is a bit like Ryan Giggs as well? You know, he's that longevity, and he never kind of. I thought he looked as good last night as he's ever looked. So he's he's one of those guys who, it, it maybe if he stops now, he'll actually look better in in the future because he never had like that downfall towards the end of his career. But however, he'll make a great uh, yeah thirty for thirty someday. Anyway, will he? I don't know. He's, he will. I don't think he will. Uh, here's one thing. We landed on this. Hater. I, I remember, Hater. I'm, no, I'm not. I remember talking about DC before and saying, like, is there any. Does DC have any, like. I know people like DC, but does he have any fans? Like, you. I've seen people on Twitter with, like, Conor McGregor backgrounds in their uh, our profile pictures and Sakuraba pictures and John Jones pictures. Have you ever seen one with a DC picture on Twitter? I think, I think that's because it's John Jones. 
I do as well. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think so many people just hated him and like just mocked him for years because they yeah. loved John Jones. Mm-hmm. And then John Jones has kind of turned sour a little bit and become a, even more of a prick or maybe just kind of exposed, made himself visible to what his true personality is actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think like I think since the, since he's distanced himself from Jones, he's gained more fans now. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know anyway uh, yeah we, we'll move on uh sean o'malley versus marlon vera chito vera an interesting one because i'm sure people That's have watched so this marlon vera won by a tko with elbows and punches after sean o'malley injured his leg i saw a video this morning that uh sean o'malley was kicked by marlon vera low low calf kick Ooh. which made sean o'malley change stances and then as he changed stances, he hurt his ankle and kind of went over it. Now, there's he either hurted it, hurted it, he either hurt it from the kick or he hurt it from the change of stances. It's one of the two of them. And whichever one it was, I think that's clean. Because that kick either hurt him or it made him turn around, which made him hurt himself. And I think that is a clean win for Marlon Vera. His actions led to the injury for Sean O'Malley. I, I think that's clean. What do you think? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like that's that. May, I haven't seen the video, but that may be true. But uh, it's it's still very unlucky. I think like I, 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 you can't discredit Marlon Vera, but you can be sympathetic towards Sean O'Malley. Would be my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to see it run back again. Not maybe next, but um, I'd like to see them fight again. I think Sean O'Malley's very unfortunate in that in that he got like it was. He looked very very good. I thought I up didn't. until. I didn't. You didn't think? No. I didn't think I he was, he was moving, winning. The, I thought he was winning the round. I thought he was probably winning, but I didn't think he was moving that well. I think his his feints were not working at all on Chito Vera, especially after the first kind of minute or two. The complete um, opposite of the commentary, so yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I I did not think he. Well, I didn't. I don't know what the commentary said. I they, they, they basically yeah. kept on saying that. Or I think it was Cruz. They said he was uh, that Vera was biting on every single feint that oh, really? I, I thought yeah. he was early, but after like a minute or two, I didn't think he was. Yeah. And not. And I, I think, think he did think not. He maybe didn't have the output. So like he was kind of throwing lots of feints, but yeah. then wasn't following up so when you're just constantly fighting at some point they're going to be like alright well I'm not going to bite them anymore and it was a sort of fight as well where I might be a little bit uh, harsh in there it was might be the sort of fight where if it got into the second round those feints might have changed and he might have got different looks and he might have knocked Vera out so I'm not I'm just from the start if I was to like judge him on the first three or four minutes of the round before he got injured whatever it was I don't oh, yeah. I don't think he looked amazing to be honest but I, I, I like Sean O'Malley I think he's good it's interesting that I tweeted last night you know McGregor against and we've seen actually this happen before he got injured in the Sukumtot fight I think it was but McGregor yeah. against um, you know he's been compared to McGregor and the, the jumpy eye against Max Holloway he got injured and he found a way to win that fight and I was looking on O'Malley last night and I was like he's injured but he's still moving around like what, what are you going to do to win this fight are you going to pull guard here are you going to get a take down here you're going to do something to turn this around to win this fight and he wasn't able to do it and there i'm not like he'll be he'll be back i'm sure he'll come back and he'll be he'll, he'll get through this injury and everything like that but there's moments in fighters careers and this was a co-main event on one of the biggest cards of the year under the heavyweight trilogy title fight um and these are the sort of moments that if imagine if he had gone for a flying fucking triangle there when he's injured with a broken foot and tapped Marlon Vera with 15 seconds left in round one and then had to be stretchered out of the octagon. Imagine how much that would have built up Sean O'Malley. Like, he would have become a fan favourite immediately for people who'd never seen him before. Like, that's that's can be the difference sometimes between being a very good fighter and being a, a champion and being next level and being a huge draw and everything like that and it might be an opportunity missed from Sean O'Malley now to me yeah, I, I think he'll be back and I hope he'll be back but it's I think I have to mention that as well 
Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I just don't think it'll take too much away from his stock. Like, I think there's a missed opportunity there where he now plateaus rather than his stock rising significantly. Yeah. But I think, let's say he gets strings another couple of wins together right after this, people forget about it or they'll just literally point to it and say, ah, he got injured in that fight. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't count. So I think, like, it's as, it's as good of a loss as he could have. Like, considering he got it's a knockout loss, it's probably the best knockout loss he could have on his record. Mm-hmm. And I, I think credit to Vera as well. He did well at the end. He saw he was injured. Uh, when Amali, uh, when the, well, exactly, he kind of got knocked down. He landed on top. He landed that beautiful elbow right down through the middle, which mm. slept O'Malley. And Herb came in. What did you think of the stoppage from Herb? Um, I'm trying to think. I thought it was early, but I, I guess it, when you consider the injury, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. However, I don't like. I need to check this, but I don't think the referees should be considering an injury to another part of the body when he's getting he's taking strikes to the face. Like I think, I don't think it, that in, on, at that moment he's on his back. He's he's not putting pressure on any foot or, or ankle or leg or whatever it is that's that's broken or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was a little bit early. I thought he could have given him a few more. Now, do I think Vera would have just continued on and probably beaten him and, and knocked him out? Yeah, I do. Um, so I'm not too pissed off about it, but he probably could have let it go. But I mean, we, we constantly criticize Herb Dean for late stoppages, so I'd rather him stop one early than than yeah. too late. It's one of those where I uh, I don't think I, it, I don't uh, think yeah. it would have made a difference to the fight itself. I, if I, I don't think that's an excuse, a good excuse for stopping yeah, the leader. But, but I do think there was the damage to O'Malley, and he, we saw that damage, and it made him go down. Did he go? Did he go out? I mean, they talked about him potentially kind of flashing out. Yeah, uh, I think he did for a second. Elbow, I think he did for I a second. I couldn't tell whether it was just he hit his head off the canvas and popped up or if, if he actually yeah, uh, I, I, a knockout. To, to watching it back a couple of times, I think he, I think it was a big enough shot where if Herb had stopped it immediately after that, I don't think anyone would have complained. I think the fact was it came in a couple of seconds after that. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, look at my, O'Malley's reaction as well. Like he yeah, he did, immediately yeah. kind of hands the face covering up. So he's obviously hurt there and then he's kind of yelling in pain about his, his yeah, foot or his very ankle. True, very true. Uh, right, let's run through the rest of this card pretty quickly here. Josino Rosenstruck, the most predictable fight of all time. Sean Sheehan bets. What, what, what was my bet in this fight? Second round KO. Second round KO for Rosenstruck. 11 yeah. to 2. Your, your bet night was. Picked the round wrong, Johnny. Uh, no, I didn't. I got it right. It was the second round. No, I did. I, oh, I said first round. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I like. Basically, I thought Santos looked fantastic actually in the first round here, which was uh, something which we normally do see out of JDS. But I thought he looked a little bit different than usual, um, and I thought he looked very good. But Rosenstruck was patient, uh, picked his shots, and jo- Santos, when you push him against the cage, when you make him circle, you're going to knock him out every time. It's just happened over and over and over again. Now he walks back to his cage with his hands down, and just if you s- circle one step in front of him and throw that left hook or throw the right hook as Rosenstruck did. You're going to catch JDS, and if you have enough power at heavyweight, which most of these guys do have, uh, you're going to knock him out. So good stuff by Rosenstruck uh, after uh, a slow enough first round from him. Uh, Daniel Pineda, very good win here against Herbert Burns as well, who missed weight coming into it. Um, been out of the UFC for a long time. Burns looked a bit tired at times as well. Pineda got on top, landing ground upon in round one. Yeah. Uh, jiu-jitsu useless. Round two, Burns was on, <laughs> on top of Pineda, reverses it again. Jiu-jitsu useless and smashed him. Smashed him, got him in the crucifix. Yeah, he got fucking fucked up from that crucifix position, didn't he? R.I.P. Kimbo Slice. Yeah, so very good yeah. win there for, uh, for Daniel Pineda. Jiu-jitsu once again proven to be absolutely useless. And uh, no Min's fight into the submission here, so... 
that's as someone tweeted last night women <laughs> someone tweeted last night women's mma hasn't progressed far enough for jiu-jitsu not to work yet which i thought <laughs> was one of the best was that, was that i've ever seen no it wasn't me but i i totally agreed with Chunky it and <laughs> it was your man what's his name Shane Kylie, I think is his name if I'm not mistaken but yeah Shane Kylie is it I don't know I'm not sure I don't know anyway uh, Mirab Dashville against John Dodson I don't want to talk oh, about this fight Christ <laughs> what a shit fight oh, God. that was the most frustrating fight oh. in the world to watch um, it seemed like like Vanishvili was basically terrified of the exact things that we pointed out that yeah. Dodson would do to win and understandably so but like he just I saw loads of people coming out saying oh Vanishvili or is it Vanishvili Mirab Mirab it's saying like, oh, he looked brilliant. He looked fantastic. Like, no, I don't think he did at all. Me I thought it was like, uh, he didn't do anything wrong per se, but like, it was just a terrible fight where Dodson did nothing and like just seemed frustrated by the fact that he couldn't do anything. Yeah, I don't see Mirab as like a top bantamweight whatsoever. I mean, may, may, maybe he'll improve, and, but I didn't he's think his striking was pretty good. Uh, I didn't. I don't think his wrestling is the best in the world, even though he gets 112 takedowns in every fight. Like he can't hold anyone down, you know. It's uh, so like, and you. He. What, what most impressed me actually about him was the knees in the, the first round where he ho- held Dodson against the cage and landed yeah. big impact knees. They, those are good shots for someone whose game plan is to like push someone against the cage and not, not effectively. I know he was, he was just hugging him. him so. He was just hugging him, yeah. But da- Dodson literally, if Dodson had thrown three more punches in all three rounds, he would have won 30-27. Like, it, was, it was one of those fights. Uh, Jordan Breen called him the most frustrating fighter of all time. I think apart from Anthony Pettis, I would say Pettis, but I think Dodson is right up there as well. He has, like, he has all the tools. He has power. He has speed. He's good defensively. He's good footwork. He's good wrestling. Good grappling, but he just can't put it together. He just, he just can't. Ah, oh, he's so frustrating. Like really frustrating as a fighter. And uh, for me, the most frustrating thing about a Pettis is we've seen it from before. We've seen it from Dodson as well. Like he knocked down Demetrius Johnson in a title fight. He like he's beaten up and comers like uh, Nathaniel Wood in his last fight. It's just so frustrating. But anyway, uh, and then we have Vince Pichel against uh, Jim Miller, which we we must mention. Very good fight as well. I thought Jim Miller almost had him in a calf slider, slicer late in the first. Vince Pichel got on top in the second, third round. Vince on top for a few minutes. Jim Miller was on top. Uh, Vince won the clinch and the strike and landed a big uh, head kick, I believe it was. Miller had a late guillotine, but 29-28 uh, Pichel, I think, was the right score there. And uh, overall, you know, some good fights, some boring fights in the middle, but uh, the main event kind of got us through it. Uh, anyway, right, let's move on here to next week and we'll break it down quickly here i have a few podcasts actually already recorded and going to be coming out uh, about frank yeager uh next week and stuff but we have frank yeager versus pedro munoz we have osp versus alonzo minifield at uh 2 30 or 1 205 i thought i'd fucked up the recording there but i haven't it's okay uh and then we have loads of people i've never fucking heard of marcin pernchecko versus mike rodriguez no daniel rodriguez takashi sat on this no. is a fucking terrible card amanda limas mizuke anyway okay i know anyway uh, Hubbard versus Selecki, no idea. Agapova versus Dobson, no idea. Agapova, no, Agapova's a beast. Is she? She, had, she had that win over, uh, she's a gangster from Kazakhstan. She had that win over Hannah Cyphers where she just beat the shit out of her. Oh, uh, yeah, that was I, recently, you know, I can't yeah. remember, a few months back. I vaguely remember that. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay, look out for Agapova, she's going to be a prospect. Yeah, so this card is just atrocious. What do you think of the Pedro Munoz versus uh, versus Frank Yeager fight? Who do you think in that one? Um... Uh, I don't know. I'd say Pedro Munoz probably decision. Yeah. But I don't know. Frankie Edgar's like 
it's a tough one. I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's solid matchmaking for Frankie's first fight in the division. But like, mm-hmm. it's also one that you're not like really excited for. Um, I think it'll be a decision either way, but I think it'll be a very, very close fight. Yeah, I have a, I have a podcast coming on Wednesday about this fight and about Frankie Edgar in general, and like Frankie, I think. Is it going to be too? Is, is Munoz going to be too quick from like that's, down? At- that's the thing. Frankie has always been a quicker fighter. I think if Frankie can adjust and be the bigger man and maybe the more powerful man, although he's not that powerful as a, as a, a puncher or anything himself, but maybe a, a wrestle heavy sort of game plan for Frankie Edgar, uh, I think it, it could be the way forward for him. But it's going to be very hard to adjust from being. Yeah. Uh, he his whole career has been the smaller, faster man, and now he's going to be the bigger, slower man. So that's a big adjustment for someone like Frank Edgar. Can he yeah, do it? One three in his last four, and yeah. I mean Pedro Munoz has looked, has looked pretty, pretty damn good at 135 pounds. Obviously, mm. he's, he's coming off a loss to Aljamain Sterling, but Sterling's looked fantastic recently. Um, yeah. Before that, he had kind of three consecutive wins over Brett Johns, Brian Caraway, and, and Cody Garbrandt with two knockouts in the first round. So, mm. could be a dangerous one for Frank Edgar. It definitely could, yeah. Um, so, yeah, n- very top-heavy card there, not great at all. Didn't we have a Bellator card? Uh, Ryan Bader versus Vadim Nimkov for the 205 title. Bader down there for the first time in, like, fucking two years, I think. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a tough test. You, I think most people would probably favour him over Nimkov, but Nimkov has beaten uh, Rafael Carvalho, Phil Davis, Liam McGeary in his last three fights, so they're all very good wins, you know, but... He's lost before to Carlisle Brexton and uh, Yuri Prohachka, who we see now in the UFC over in Ryzen. But, uh, you know, a good fighter and a good fight as well. Um, another tough test for Bader, who seems to be, like, running along in that division without anyone, or in both divisions without anyone really taking uh, too much notice of him. But it's good to see big Bellator fights back as well, isn't it? Yeah, good to see them back. Just kind of waiting on their... Uh their European series to come back now because there's a lot of Irish fighters that are signed to Bellator with not a lot of action right now. So mm-hmm. um, frustrating times for, for a lot of fighters. But yeah, great to see Bellator back. But um, there may be, there may mm. be potentially a, a fight card coming up in Europe sooner rather than later. Or a couple of them. TBDs or a couple of them. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're waiting on a bit of information I, uh, there. Well, yeah, this, this Dublin card, you know, all the fighters seem to be talking about it. Uh, I've I've put in a few questions to Bellator, and what I've been told is that the fight card is happening, um, but we're in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> so is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? There was fucking 200 cases in Ireland yesterday of coronavirus, so everything might get shut down, and by you know in two days' time, they might not be able to have a card, so who knows? But uh, as we stand now, this Bellator card in Dublin is being planned to happen but i don't think like we see with the ufc as well they're only announcing cards and only announcing uh, fights on the card three four weeks out because they don't need to sell tickets or they don't need to yeah. do anything like that plus if something find happens, out two weeks before maybe yeah. max mm-hmm. plus if something happens they can easily pull it like so like they could decide they could have already decided or could they could decide tomorrow this bellator dublin card can't happen and they'll just say nothing about it and goes look the card is yeah. a pandemic we can't have it so it'll be all i've spoken to a number of, of irish, kind of irish fighters as well and um like a few of them have said to me that they've been given say this is an opponent maybe in mind but um the date is not confirmed so they're yeah. kind of been told be ready for october but also be ready for for mid-september so um again it's going to be quite quite short notice stuff so but look, as long as it's coming back, that's all that matters. Yeah. And um, yeah, good to see fights being made again. There's another Contender Series card on Wednesday as well. We have one championship here next week. Uh, and also, before we go, we miss Paige Van Zandt gone to bare knuckle boxing is one of the, the big topics yeah, for this geez, week. That's a random one, wasn't it? Yeah, like, I 
I do. Betch Cohea, <laughs> sign her up, sign up Betch. Yeah, I think this 125, is one of the, the most middle. ridiculous decisions of all time. Like, uh, where are they getting the money to pay her? And I know Brad Wharton, got, uh, as we mentioned last, they got one of the best <laughs> tweets of all time with like, they're saving a lot done. of money on gloves, <laughs> which is a fantastic <laughs> tweet. But like, where the fuck are they going to get money to pay Paige Van Zandt? She might have one fight and she might earn a couple of hundred grand. Like, 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 wait, who's funding this but, promotion? Because like, they, they signed Artem Nobov to a massive deal as well. Fucking like he, has, he hasn't fought since, has he? Yeah. He's fought like twice or three times. So this is like something fucking Pablo Escobar would be doing. Or something just like you get all these. Uh, MMA is a, is a strange, strange sport. It's a weird Quote one. unquote sport. Yeah, quote unquote sport as well. Yeah, it's uh, like, I think Paige Van, like, let's be realistic for a second here about Paige Van Zandt. You know, she, she said herself she earns more money from Instagram than she does from fighting. She's been on Dancing with the Stars. Like, she seems to have like a good future outside of MMA, you know, doing stuff maybe for, you know, whatever it might be, maybe acting or fashion or modelling or whatever it might be. Like, it's going into bare-knuckle boxing where you could literally have your face rearranged in one night, a wise decision for someone like Paige Van Zandt. I think it's, like, if it was fucking, you know, Chris Weidman doing it or something, maybe you'd say, okay, like, <laughs> but our, our fucking Ryan Elson or something like that, he'd say, all right, won't make much of it. It's well, fucking Paige Van Zandt, you know? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I think people follow her anyway. To be honest, I don't like. I know. I think people buy into the personalities these days. Obviously, like she's an, an attractive woman and she markets herself as such on social media to gain followers and stuff. But she's also a fighter, so I think like she's just. I yeah, think there is a bit like people need to also recognize that. Okay, yeah, she's she's marketing herself in the way, but she's also constantly been trying to kind of distance her it's weird because she's like not yeah. she's com- she's completely moving directly towards that type of marketing but also trying to distance herself from it at the same time by showing she's not just a pretty girl and she can fight yeah. uh, I, I think anyone so, who's watched Paige Van Zandt knows that already I don't think she's anything left to prove I think people are no. always going to talk shit about her like if you look back at her fights and especially that, uh, Rose, she had that amazing Rosa uh, Nunes fight the, and uh, Michelle yeah, Watterson like, they knock out over Felice Herrig as well yeah. like, that was Paige is a good fighter, like, and there's a lot of shit talked about her, and she—I don't think she should let that get to her and sign for fucking bare knuckle boxing because she wants. I mean, if she's getting paid though, fucking take the money, go fight. Yeah, how long will she get Maybe fucking paid for? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who's she gonna be fighting though? Like, is, are they gonna be that good? Like, she for all we know, she get be putting in somewhere for to make her win, or not yeah. to make her win, not to fix it or anything, but like, it could be a favorable matchup for all we know. Beck Rollins is over there at times, isn't she? What about uh, Paige? Oh, sorry, was it Beck? Did I say Felice Herrig? It was Beck Rollins. It was the the knockout over. Wasn't Did she it? beat Felice as well though? I don't know, I'm gonna mail I, I can't remember. Anyway. Uh also on that Bellator card, I forgot. Julia Bud is fighting, Ryan Nelson is fighting in that card, Josh Salter, Eric Perez versus Josh Hill. I like that fight. I think that's a good fight. Come here, uh, speaking of uh, Julia Bud in the one forty five division, um what are your thoughts on Chris Cyborg this talk about Chris Cyborg versus Katie Taylor? Is this complete bullshit, right? I don't know. Yeah, probably. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing C- Cecilia Brockhouse, I think is her name. She lost last night uh, against McCaskill. Uh, and that was supposed to be like the next huge fight for Katie Taylor if she wins. I think she's fighting next week, is she? Uh, against Delphine Persoon. So if Katie Taylor wins that fight, there's no obvious next fight for her. I think the, the Serrano sisters don't really want to fight her. Or one of them, whichever one. Amanda, I think it is. So Amanda, she's yeah. the one who's uh, I think- mocking poor Jared Gordon for his um, troubles with um, drugs. Really? Jesus. Not a very nice person in my in my book. I didn't hear that, but I'd probably agree yeah. with you. The, the thing is, well, we've seen in the past that Bellator, like Michael Vinnie Page, has been allowed to go and do boxing. They've had people who've done kind of other sports and other things as well. Um, would they allow Chris Cyborg go and fight Katie Taylor if they were like part of the promotion or whatever? 
uh, Eddie Hearn has talked about it. I think they probably would. Probably would, yeah. yeah. I think they probably would. I I wouldn't mind seeing that fight either. It's not one of these, uh, like, Katie Taylor would absolutely destroy her, don't get me wrong. But it's not one of these fights like, you know, fucking Habib versus McGregor, or, or sorry, Habib versus um, Floyd, or McGregor versus Floyd, where, like, it's just like a complete no contest altogether, and Floyd yeah. kind of drags him in there to make a fight out of it. I think it'd be a good fight, you know, Cyborg. Right, yeah, I, like, I like this, actually. We start getting the Cyborg versus Ireland narrative going, right? Yes. She'll go off, she'll box Katie Taylor, mm-hmm. she'll get her ass kicked in that, Sinead and then Kavanaugh. she'll come back and fight Sinead Kavanagh. Yeah, and then in, like, two years' time, Liam McCourt will be up there and be like, there we go. or whatever, and fight her. There we go. Yeah, come on, up. Ireland. Come on, Ireland. We're all part of Jackie's army. Yeah, let's uh, make it happen. Let's make it happen. Speaking um, of Ireland, an yeah. amateur prospect in Jer Harris is fighting this week too. He is. Um, and that other still, lad as well is fighting. What's his name? Uh, out in UAE. Dean oh, Barry. Dean Barry. Yeah. So that one, I spoke to the promotion. That one actually isn't fully confirmed yet. I know Dean put it out on social media, and but I, th- I think it's as cl- it's almost there. I think they're just waiting on um, uh, his opponent Al Boucheri, I think his name is um, mm-hmm. to. Um, to sign the contract, so but I think it's it's almost done and over the line. So yeah, great to see um, Dean and, and and a number of other fighters getting fights signed up. I think everyone's kind of in this in COVID times having to just look to random promotions. We saw Will Flurry going over, uh, fighting fighting abroad there recently, and one fight uh, released from his co- Bellator contract and things like that. So um, yeah, the more Irish fighters fighting, the better. But I do, I do love I have I have this this longing to see some Irish on Irish action. So mm-hmm. one of these days. We need to see some Irish fighters fighting each other. And I think it's a very unpopular opinion, but I want to find out who's the best 145 fighter. I want to find out who's the best bantamweight. We have a lot of fighters in similar weight classes, so better, bring it on. You better be bring careful. You better be careful. Put them all against each other. I, I said I'll, this... I'll matchmake, right? Someone give me a fuckload of money, right? I'll destroy all these lads' careers yeah. by putting them against each other. <laughs> They'll all hate me. Yeah, I, I said this about fucking six or seven years ago, and oh, I got a torrent of abuse. Oh, we need to protect these Irish no, fighters like, and bring them all in no, together. Like, but fuck it, look at any other sport in the world, and you realize it's different because there's money involved and stuff like that. Yeah. But the the cream will always rise to the top, and I mean, if especially in coronavirus times, it's not going to be as easy to go abroad and fight. So you're going to have to have fight domestic fights at some point, surely, because it's 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 quite difficult to get people into the country. Yeah. So. And like, like what's, now's the time. What's, what's, the, the, what's the harm? What's the harm as well? Like we had Norman Park versus Paul Redman, a fucking fantastic fight, yeah. and the two of them walked out after and they were friends. And you don't they, need undefeated records. Like no, people you can don't. No, you don't. You, MMA, you, you don't have to have like boxing where you need undefeated records. Mm-hmm. So if you have a loss, it's no skin off your nose, you'll come back. Yeah, we had like with James Sheehan versus uh, Ian Gary. Yeah, you know, there's been loads of fight down through the years, and both guys were very respectful after that. Yeah, Reese McKee. Yeah, it's Reese McKee, Johnny Jitsu. Reese, what's the fight? So, what's the fight you want? Is it is it the, the James Gallagher Paul Hughes fight? Is that the fight you want? Uh, that'd be more of like a fancy one. Yeah, I mean, no, nah, I think James is happy at one thirty five and Paul's one forty five. So let them maybe go their separate ways. But um, oh, jeez, who would I go for? That's a, I want um. Richard Kylie give, and Gary is that the one you want uh, it depends see I don't know what key it all depends about what weight class Kiefer Crosby's going for he says he's going for 155 if he's going for 155 I want Paul Redmond versus Kiefer Crosby oh yeah I wouldn't mind seeing that Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing who else who would you like to see I don't know yeah I'd like to see that fight I'd like to, I don't know what the crack with Norman is if he's going out to KSW again I think he probably is but yeah I don't know I, I, it's difficult because some of these lads are obviously in different promotions, but Redzer and Kiefer are both in the same uh, promotion. That that could be a fight that could be made. Like, is it a, a step too soon for Kiefer? Like he's talking. 
Richard Coyley be good crack as well. Be very good, yeah. Just, like, just shit talk before that would be great. Kiefer called out Sodden back as he called him <laughs> in uh, after his last fight. Like Sodden back and Paul Redmond. They're not, I don't think they're that far apart in terms of, like you probably said, Starnback is a little bit ahead of uh, Paul Redmond. So, I think Starnback's a great fighter, but with all due respect to him, I just, I'm not that excited to see him fight. Ooh, um, oh, fucking. No, like I think he's fantastic, but like when we're talking about making like fantasy match matchmaking, yeah. it's it needs to be two. For me, it's always generally a kind of like two two vicious strikers or something like yeah. that, or, or a, a very interesting stylistic matchup. But, um, what about uh, yeah. what about Terence versus uh, Richard Kiley? I yeah. saw uh, Philip Mulpeter calling him out as well. Yeah, he's always at it. And that, oh, who was Philip Mulpeter fighting years ago as well? The fight, the fabled fight they're always talking about. Oh, John Donnelly, I think it is another Irish fight. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's lots of. Uh, has Gary, oh, Gary, Ian Gary's fight has been announced this week as well. The, the cage war is announced. And they announced um, yeah. John Jackie Mitchell McLean fight as well. Jackie McLean. McLean versus Adam Entry, John Mitchell versus Alan Bradkowski. And then we. Oh, sorry. Speaking of Irish on Irish, we've got Jack McGuire uh, versus Kieran Mulholland. Mm hmm. So there's a an Irish uh, domestic fight happening abroad. I uh, have they announced the Decky McAleen and uh, Adam Vintra fight yet? Have, yeah. have yeah. they? Officially? Oh, sorry, sorry, no, they haven't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we did, though. Yeah, we did. That's uh, a good sorry, point. Indeed, sorry. I'm very, very sorry. <laughs> but look, you snooze, you lose. Shh, don't, uh, don't tell him. Uh, I like that fight yeah. a lot, though. I like that. It's anonymous. What weight is that fight going to be at? Cause that um that fight uh, the Adam Bench fight that's gonna be one seventy one one seventy really that's, yeah welterweight fight oh hang on wait let me just what fight does oh, where does where does I Decky should notice Mac- I reported it so uh, yeah you should where does Decky uh, McAleen usually fight? I thought Decky McAleen was one forty five am I gone fucking mad hold on let me take a look up here I don't, sorry, one, sorry 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 hang yeah. on I'm definitely getting this all wrong you yeah you probably lightweight are, yeah. fight lightweight fight lightweight fight okay. The reason I tell you, sorry, because Ventry has, he's kind of gone up and down, so it's it's a lightweight fight, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Ventry's <laughs> last fight was 168. The, news, right, the right weight. 152 uh, yeah. before that, 145 he, before he, that. He took a good few, like, short notice fights. And, yeah. And yeah, yeah I think that's a good fight. Jackie's yeah. fight in Cork was a catchweight as well. Yeah, so go for. I wonder is uh, Chris Fields had a fight book there. Do you remember in Cage Warriors at knee before? And I wonder is he going to be fighting on one of yeah. these upcoming cards? It just seems like Chris Fields always kind of struggles to get a matchup. Yeah, oh, the bigger guys right? always do that. There's fucking no what, yeah. light heavyweight now, isn't there? There's no light heavyweights around anymore. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, there's a few other Irish fighters in Cage Warriors that still have uh, fights yet to be announced or or haven't got a fight announced or not. Like Paul, Paul Hughes, Hughes has Hughes, been yeah. bad and. Um, I spoke with James Sheen. He's actually he's not going to be fighting on the trilogy series. He told me because um, he's got a college exams or something like that. So um, there may be a few that won't we won't end up seeing on the trilogy series. But that but look that that trio of events is going to be fantastic. I think mm-hmm. um, I put a tweet out there saying that I think that we're going to see a lot of future UFC fighters on that. And um, I saw Owen Elliott just got a, a fight announced there as well. And there's a lot of there's just going to be some great uh, up and comers to keep an eye on in the next few months. Mm-hmm. A, a pro bellum card as well. Will Curry. Um, is he's an undefeated prospect at four and Um, so watch out for him. Justin Berlinson's fighting. He's another uh, prospect to watch. A few lads coming out of the UK. So it's it's very exciting time for for MMA in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully, as I said, Belter can come back as well. Let's answer uh, a couple of questions here before we go, and then we'll we'll jump out pretty quickly here. Uh, I think it's an interesting one from Kieran Delaney, and I kind of suggested myself on Twitter yesterday as well. Does DC fight for the vacant two hundred five title if John Jones moves up to heavyweight? I think that's a possibility if he only wants to fight for titles and Jones is moving up and he fights deep uh, I think DC going back down if he if he only wants to fight for titles and I think DC getting the weight down and being lighter as well might actually benefit him cardio wise towards the end what do you think? 
Yeah. Um, oh, it's just another time when DC is kind of going down to fight for title when John Jones isn't around, though. So it's just, uh, I suppose it's the story of his career. But yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? Um, Strike that MX. How, how, I think it's an interesting. Job, he fight, though. Would it be Reyes? Uh, or? Reyes, I think, yeah. I think that'd be yeah. a good fight. How do you think the early I, I, IPOC. I'd rather see Reyes and Santos just fight it out. Yeah, sure. Let's make it happen. How do you think the early IPOC and warning from Goddard affected DC striking? Couldn't use his usually usual reads in hand style. I don't think he was doing it before that, but it's an interesting question. Like, DC was. DC was jabbing well to the body and hitting that right hand to the body. I was watching a boxing match the other day, and boxers do that an awful lot better than MMA fighters do it. They probably naturally would, but I think DC was looking good there early. I just think what affected DC striker more than anything else was Steve hurting him at the end of the second round, and it made him a little bit more tentative. Well, it wasn't that it was tentative. It was that he was hurt going into the third, and then Steve kind of upped the pace early in the third, and by the time the fourth and fifth came, they were both kind of tired, and it, it changed. But, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, if, if Stipe I don't think any fighter really adjusts that they're striking that much when they're told to do these things. I think it's more just they stop doing it for a second and then go back to what they're doing. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, Derek Lewis, the best fighter that's actually terrible. Mm, he must be up there, isn't he? Must be uh, OSP. Actually, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably. Yeah. All right. Shall we leave it there? So, Andy, any, anything to say? Anything to, anything to, uh, to pimp out there, or any fucking Twitter or Instagram or anything like that? Did you want to tell people about? Nah, just fuck off and leave me alone. Really? That's a, that's <laughs> an awful know. mean thing to no, say. I know. Follow me on. Uh, yeah, on Twitter and Instagram on at AndySteve23 on Twitter at AndyStevensonMMA on Instagram. Yes, follow and me at Sean Chihimba. Pleasure as always, Sean. Pleasure to have you. Follow. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm myself out to, to Severe MMA and your MMA hub now, oh, so yeah. I'm a trader now. You are. How are them boys getting on? I like, I like uh, Scott Langdon. He's a good guy. I was talking to him there recently. Yeah, I, think I think I'm barred from Brave uh, CF now, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I saw you talking shit about their matchmaking and stuff. But your look, yeah. if you're if you haven't been barred from some MMA event, you're probably not covering MMA rightly. So yeah. <laughs> you you, you uh, woke up to some abuse this morning as well about your. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I I was funny there yesterday. You texted me. He goes, "Do you ever get what you said? Do you ever get abused from someone?" I was like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> like, yeah every day. <laughs> Yeah, someone, I, you probably listen to whoever it is you probably listen to this but I got a message from someone just basically talking about a fire, fighter being like oh he's number one in your one number one welterweight and I was like um, okay <laughs> like, what, what's this in reference to or like yeah sure like happy to have a conversation I love I love getting the messages fair play to you whoever sent me that I love Keep people that have conversations with themselves but like send it to you and like I remember someone one day, they like replied to a, a comment I made in the podcast like six months ago. And I was like, what are you trying to say to me here? And they like sent me the link to the podcast and the time. And it was literally <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, I was like, this guy has fought four times since then. Like, <laughs> just, yeah, just, if you're going to just like, it's grand, like great crack. Like let's have a conversation, but just send the, send the context of what we're referring yeah. to. For <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but you're sure. And, uh, uh, yeah that's it but sure look geez, this is a long podcast actually right Andy thanks very much follow uh, support us on Patreon patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast I was looking someone posted like uh, ESPN's content for the week and I'm like I posted like a thread of our content as well and I stack up some of our content right there with them to be honest so if you want to continue to get content like that from someone who's literally just doing it and fucking at home 
and do- doesn't have a, a fucking worldwide brand behind him helping him, you could help us out to keep us going and keep us doing fucking good shit. Uh, so help us help you. Exactly. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Man Podcast. You're actually, when you say help us help you, we I think we kind of are not to fucking big ourselves up too much though, but like, like we're, we're trying to do it as well as we can and f- for the people, you know? And I've always been, the per- I don't want to be like too much of a fucking dickhead about it or anything, but like I've always tried to be like just a fan who's been watching it a bit longer than other fans, you know, or has put a bit more time into it. And uh, if you want to continue with that and you want us to, to keep the lights on for another while, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. It's just cases of people just doing this in their spare time and like obviously yeah. uh, you have the Patreon stuff going, but it's not like that's, it's, that's not bringing in big money for you or anything like that. And, um, the rest of us all have jobs and stuff, and so do you, and just kind of do it in our spare time. So it's all just a bit of cracking for the, well, for the little bit of well, we're not, I, was, I wouldn't, I don't know. Like, we're not, we're not too far away on Patreon from not, not being a bit of cracks. So like, that, we got, that's what I mean. Though, yeah. like, up until that point, though, um, it's you're kind of just trying to do it in your spare time and, and whenever you can. So it is yeah. like it's a good bit of work involved. And, yeah. Like, I, I'm almost yeah. there at the like, moment doing like, daily podcasts on Patreon. Mm hmm doing articles and stuff and Sean Denny and, and it's all out of kind of like a passion for, for MMA like you see yeah. Sean Denny constantly talk about Polish MMA, MMA that mm-hmm. that lad's basically, basically Polish at this point so yeah, like yeah. fair play to everyone and, and get get involved I don't know if it's too late now to sign up for the Fantasy League it's not oh yeah so, Thomas yeah. Delaney and Ian O'Neill they, they've got a Fantasy mm-hmm. League going and it's a bit of crack we kind of had I, I don't know was it 30 of us last time or 25 yeah, and it's, yeah, I think it's almost it's trebled now so uh, if you want to join the fantasy league as well, we've the first week is down. But if you join this week or any week throughout the year, you'll get as many points as the person who is last in the league. So last year there was I was last in the league for a while, and I had like one good week, and I went like halfway up it. So it's very close always yeah. throughout this league. So anytime yeah, you want to sign up, dead last and uh, has never made a correct pick. And uh... I got all my picks <laughs> correct this week almost. So yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's still wide open. So if you want to join yeah. patreon.com for slash severe med podcast. It's all just a bit of fun. Um mm-hmm. giving your picks for the main card or for they it was last year it was the previous season it was just a co main and main event. Now it's the the all the main card fight. So just a bit of fun, bit of yeah. crack. And but, if uh, you're signed up to Patreon as well, you there's like a banter page going along, so it's severeandme.com forward slash fantasy and it'll take you right there to, to the one on Patreon. So we'll have be having a bit of crack there throughout the whole year. Uh the results will be posted uh, I think Monday or Tuesday, and uh, Ian and, and Thomas will do that anyway. So it's by the fans, for the fans, kind of. You know, I don't have much um, say in it or anything like that. So Ian and Thomas, are doing it, they've done a fantastic job. So fair play to the two of them. Right. Longest podcast of all time. God bless you. Uh, we'll see you all next time. But before we do, here's the inspirational quote right of the week. If you want a different result, you must use different thinking. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or probably Sunday. <laughs>